Welcome into your Wednesday live chat for this week's RBC Heritage. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are indeed presented by Jock Market. That's Stock Market DFS. There's a power hour tonight at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel. We'll talk more about them in just a second. They are doing really cool things, but wow, wow, wow. Here we go. Live chat, your questions, maybe my answers, your comments, my other comments. We'll see how it goes. Make sure you get your questions, concerns, and comments in the chat right now. I will warn you, I've just sneezed in the last two minutes like 75 times. I'm hoping I'm done. It might be a world record. So hopefully we don't get into a situation where I have to sneeze 100 times for the first five minutes of this. Let's jump into it. Dave says, afternoon, Rick. Afternoon. Deep dive on Russell Knox for this week. After yesterday's show and Andy's podcast, I am between him, Lahiri, and McCarthy. Okay, sure. So uh, here's my website. It is uh, rickrungood.com. I think you'll like it. You should. So here's Russell Knox. Here's his golfer profile page. Let's see what's going on with Russell Knox around Heritage. All right. Um, Very on brand, right? Great approach player. That's normal. We are seeing some tangible gains around the green, which is new. And we are seeing maybe a downturn with the driver. Okay. And the putter is generally the same, which is pretty sour. Let's look at his season long stuff here. Okay. This is what I kind of wanted to see. Um, accuracy 19th distance 136. That's generally a good combination for Harbor town. I don't mind this stat profile at all. Let's see what he's done here. Admittedly. Uh, wow. So here we go. So Russell Knox has played here, uh, what's that, eight times. Started off like a banshee. T9, T18, T2, T11. Then he went T40, cut, cut, cut. Ouchie mama. Uh, let's see. This is, we got to keep going here. So let's see what he did. Like, what was his lead in form before those weeks? Well, he was pretty bad. Uh, missed the cut in his two starts before last year. Was in a horrible show. Wow, this might be just like a bad time of year for him. So this is actually a little bit encouraging because I would say his form now is a lot better than it was before the missed cuts. It's interesting. I don't mind it one bit. There you go. Hope that works. Um, okay. Hear me out, says Ed. Pat Perez at $6,400. Missed cut on the number at the Valero the past two years at RBC, but five career top 30s at RBC and has gained on approach in seven of nine and eight out of nine around the green in 2022 with two top tens. I mean, you've done your homework here, Ed. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, it sounds to me like you just want to hear me say, yeah, yeah, you should play. Because I think you've already done the homework and I think you already kind of understand uh, what you're getting at. I'd be a little bit concerned about his ability to spray it off the tee. Uh, which as you guys know, at this point in the week, uh, if you are out of position off the tee at Harbor town, you are in pretty, pretty bad shape. Yeah. He's got those top tens earlier in the year. At least one of them was at Pebble beach, which I think is one of the better comps, or at least in terms of small greens, but he's done nothing since then. I will say Ed, that you are likely more excited about Pat Perez than I am Snoop a loop. Uh, you can tell it's an RBC heritage. Cause he says, let's start it off hot. Ben Martin has been playing. Well, is he usable at 6,200? The good news is Snoop a loop at 6,200. A lot of guys are usable, right? It, it, it's, it's, you're not asking for much. If they make the cut, you're pretty thrilled. Um, I don't know if I'd argue he's playing well. I mean, he missed, he made the cut to Valera. That's the last time we saw him. Missed a cut in Puerto Rico and on the Corn Ferry. Finished T50th on the on the Panama Championship on the Corn Ferry Tour. I, I don't know. Is, this doesn't look that particularly good to me. He has one finish inside the top 50 dating back to the Palmetto Championship 10 months ago. And it was a T33 at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. So I, I would not argue that he's been playing well. That's just me. Hank Hill says ownership in $9,000 range uh, looks relatively even. Can you break down whether you think those guys will come in higher or lower than your projections? Yeah, it's kind of weird that I do that, right? I mean, I trust the projections, but there are certainly guys that I think um, change here. So what are we talking about? The 9K range? This is the cheat sheet. This has got all the ownership. I would say um, I think Corey Connors comes in higher than I have him, which is currently 19%. I think we'll come in higher than that. I think Neiman will come in lower than that because i think you're going to see 
higher on Webb, which will suck a little bit from Neiman. I think you'll see maybe a point higher on Henley. And I bet you Neiman's closer to like 12 or 13. And I think Connors breaks through 20. Those are the two guys that I would that I would point out there. Hey, Rick, great content as usual this week. Having a hard time beside, deciding between Henley, Connors, and Lowry. Uh, what two do you prefer? So this is... Um, these are these guys are very close. That's why you're having a difficult time deciding between them. I would probably just without considering ownership or anything else prefer Connors and Lowry. Uh, Lowry's been phenomenal. Connors might just win here, right? I mean, I just think this sets up well for both of them. Henley's great. I, if I could if I could play a thousand rounds with Russell Henley and he didn't know what day it was and we just like went out there and played a thousand rounds in a row, Russell Henley probably is finishes like fifteenth if we play a thousand round tournament, maybe even better than that, but it's just, he only puts three good rounds together. It, we have not seen him, um, like, like take charge on a weekend or move up a leaderboard. We only see him move in one direction. So I prefer Henley kind of in your showdown situations. And I would prefer Connors and Lowry in a, um, longer format here. Uh, let me hit this super chat here, which is never required. Always appreciated. Lincoln says, uh, Ricardo, mi amigo. Just following up on my notes Sunday. Thank you, my man, for awesome site, chats, database, etc. First official week of Team Rick Run Good, specifically for the weekends, was very good to me. Hug Oliver for me. Yeah, much appreciated. Uh, Lincoln, congrats on your success. I saw as the message you sent me. Always stoked to see that. And when you get the um, right out of the gate after joining the site, uh, that, you know, results not guaranteed, but always, always good. And then Hybrid has one here. Hello, Rick. Here's a question not directly related to, related to this tournament. Who is the last highest priced player? On the slate to win before Scotty. Oof. Okay. So good question. I don't have um, so if you go to the Holy Grail and you go to fantasy data, I don't have um like this guy was the highest priced on the slate. But if we just look at maybe finishing position and then go through some of the higher priced guys, um, and then uh, hold on, I'll, I'll go down here for year so we can go most recent first. Let's see. Patrick can't lay the tour championship, but that probably doesn't count, right? Vol uh, was Spieth the most expensive at the Valero? He was 10 7. There might have been somebody more expensive than him. 10 1 for Grace of Puerto Rico. There was probably somebody more expensive. Uh, Daniel Berger at Pebble Beach, probably someone more expensive at 10 1. DJ was 10,000 at the 2020 Masters. Was he the most expensive? He was also. 15,200 to tour championship in 2020. I mean, it doesn't happen all that often, does it? Maybe DJ at the Northern Trust. Again, I'd have to go through and, and really see who the highest guy on the, on the slate was. But it, yeah, it doesn't. It does. I mean, that win from Scotty was the first win by a number one ranked player since DJ in at the 2020 Masters, right? So like it, it I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't happen as often as you think it does. The favorites don't win as, as much either. Steven says, of the players priced between 7,500 uh, $7, and 8,000, and as your gut speaks today, my gut doesn't usually speak. I usually just read the spreadsheet. Uh, which one of these has the best week here? Thanks for all that you do. I've been close at times. Thanks to you. Godspeed. Okay, Steven. So let's see. Uh, $7,500 to $8,000. That is basically Kevin Streelman up to Chris Kirk. I don't mind Streelman. I'm, I'm very much on the Maverick McNeely bandwagon kind of long-term. I think this is a decent spot for him, but I will say that about McNeely about a lot of places. I would probably say, considering Harbortown, the answer is probably Brian Harmon. So Brian Harmon keeps it in play, right? Um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but he's like top 20 on tour in accuracy, in um distance from edge of fairway. So even when he does miss, he doesn't miss by much. He's, he's top 20 in good drive percentage. He hits a ton of greens and regulation. Um, I, I think when you start to factor in that we are playing Harbor town this week, it's Brian Harmon. I think if you were factoring in who could I buy stock in, um, for the next six months, I would, I think it's McNeely. What are your thoughts on Tom Hoagie? Number one bucket player and also win at Pebble beach. Yep. So that's the crossover, right? The crossover is small greens at Pebble Beach, 3,700 square feet here at Harbortown, 3,500 at Pebble Beach, the two smallest greens on average on the PGA Tour. Tom Hoagie obviously won at Pebble. Now, remember, they don't play all four rounds at Pebble Beach. They play two rounds at Pebble Beach for that pro-am, but still no problems there. The other thing, if you believe the buckets, which I 
don't, but I do this week more than most. Uh, there are twice as many shots coming from 175 yards, uh, 175 to 200 yards. So if you do go to the Holy Grail and you sort by uh, approach play and you do 175 to 200, not out of the rough, just all of them. Uh, Tom Hoagie is number one. Number one on tour, number one in this field. Justin Thomas, number four on tour, number two in the field. Lowry, Fowler, Luke List, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, uh, you're certainly not going to get any arguments from Tom Hoagie on me, from me. Any whole 14 props you like for round one? So I, um, I have not looked at this recently, but when I sent out my, when I sent out my, um, Run Good Rundown, which is a newsletter that I put out every single week, and you can go through and you can you can get this. There's a link in the description. Go sign up for it. Uh, there were only like four or five guys that were available for uh, hole 14, which I guess there's two hole 14s, right? You can do, I don't know if you can do score or you can, I think it's only greens and regulation. So you can say, okay, hole 14, green and regulation. Well, the shorter the hole is, and usually you get one day where it plays really, really short, uh, that's the day you want to smash the over on greens and regulation. The other days, I'm, I think the lines are a lot better. The media tracker as of yesterday had the round one pin location and at 140 yards. So I would be smashing the over if that's true. Um, I don't know. Sometimes the media tracker is weird where like, Hey, that's where they were playing at playing from in the pro-am or that's where they were playing from the practice round. But it says round one. I I'll have to go back and check this later. I'll tweet it out. So keep an eye on that. Hey, Rick, do you think there's any chance the Saudi guys like non-Kokrak are going to mail it in in these smaller events? Are they still worth a play and bet if I like their profiles? I think they're still worth a bet, right? I mean, Kevin Oz, what, got two top 15s in a row. Um, what do we know about these guys? Well, they're they're trying to take advantage of every opportunity, right? Which is selling out for blood money. Let's just say it. Um, so... I think that they're going to play their best, right? Why would they not? Why would they, why, if they want the money, there's 1.4 million bucks on the line, make 1.4, then leave. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's anything. Uh, Jay-Z is in the chat. Welcome back, Hove. My main is man, Rick, uh, Hove have been dropping tracks. So I'm feeling excited and want to cash in outright to feel even better. Can you get there on speed at 45 or am I off the bean? Well, Jay, I think you're off the bean, my friend. Um, so, so the caveat around Jordan Spieth is uh, that he is incredibly difficult to handicap because of how volatile he is. And he certainly has more win equity than everyone else. I do not necessarily love the way that Harbortown sets up for him. So let's look at this again. Um, the approach play, you know, if you want to write him off for one bad round at Augusta National, fine. You can't be happy about the way he's putting. It's horrendous. It's probably one of the worst putting stretches of his career. The other thing you have to worry about is that he does happen to spray it off the tee. Let's see what the numbers actually say about that. Um, let's go to, do I have this in here? Do I have this in here? Distance from edge of fairway. Yes. Jordan Spieth, distance from edge of fairway. Let's see how far I have to scroll to find old Jordo here. 137th on tour. What that means is when he misses the fairway, how far from the fairway is he? He is on average 30 feet away, 30 feet away. It's 137th on tour, which concerns me here because when you miss uh, just by 15 or 20 feet, you're going to be blocked out. You're going to be in big trouble. Um, it also worries me that he did not particularly play well at a place he should have played well. So I got uh, Augusta National. So I guess the argument is, but Rick, he's got so-and-so top tens here, right? Uh, 2013, T9, 2014, T12, 2015, T11. Do you know what he was in 2013, 2014, and 2015? Uh, like the number one player in the world, right? Wasn't 2015 the best year anyone's ever had, basically, outside of Tiger Woods? Was it 15 or 16 he did that? I think it was 15. Uh, I mean, this was just peak speed. He was good everywhere. So it's really hard for me to find a path for, for success this week, Jay. Um, my, my apologies to you. Um, here's a super chat from Phil. Again, not required. Appreciated though. Nate Lashley, question mark. Never heard of him. What? But he popped in my model as an outright value at 200 to one. I know people are saying long shots have won in the past. Curious your thoughts. Okay. Um, so Nate Lashley kind of came on the scene by getting into rocket mortgage late a couple of years ago. That would have been 20. Ooh, was that 2019? 
Time flies, doesn't it? Um, in fact, my wife and I are celebrating our third anniversary today. Time does fly. How about that? Producer Mina in the in behind the scenes. Happy anniversary. Three years. Amazing. Okay. So Nate Lashley comes on the scene, gets into Rocket Mortgage late, wins it, goes wire to wire, 25 under par, unbelievable stuff. Hasn't done much since then, but there is kind of a little bit of a, an argument to be made for him. So if you're using like really kind of short-term stuff and you're using approach play, Nate Lashley is going to pop in your models. Or you're using T to green play because he's gained four of his last five. He finished T7 at the Puerto Rico Open, which doesn't even count for the, the advanced metrics breakdown, but he gained eight strokes that week. 18th at the Valero, 27th at the Valspar. I agree that he is playing better than he has in a while. Um, is that good enough to win? I'm not quite sure about that, but he's 200 to one. Put five bucks on it, you know? Uh, let me try to get back to my spot here. Thanks again for the super chat. Much appreciated. I think I was right here at Biggie Balls. Biggie Balls says, hi, Rick. Hope you're having a great week. Thoughts on Furick? I know he's a grandpa, but he's been fine in his only start this year, and this is a Furick course. I was shocked to see his odds so long. It is definitely a Furick course. Uh, however... Does that mean we have to play him or bet him? Um, he's won here, what, once, twice, a couple times? I believe he's won this event a couple times. So I also have his Champions Tour stuff on the website, which, by the way, come on, how good is this? Like, to be able to get Corn Ferry Tour, PGA Tour, European Tour, Champions Tour, all in one spot, hashtag rickrungood.com. Or don't hashtag, just go there and sign up. So... I, I guess I'm actually kind of a little bit concerned that his that his results on the Champions Tour haven't been all that good. Finished eighth at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship, but then it's T38, T25, T27, T34. For Jim Furyk, shouldn't he be smoking these guys, right? Like he was before the Sony Open. Runner-up, fourth, third, eighth, second, fifth. That's th that, that is the stretch of golf I expect to see from Jim Furyk. I'd argue he's not playing all that well, and I'd be a bit more concerned now than ever before. Let me hit up a uh, jock market real quick because that is, um, I don't even want to say the sponsor of this. They're really a partner. You know, I, it is, you guys know, I don't really do a lot of partnerships. I don't do a lot of sponsorships just because I only work with people that I believe in. I, I turn down a lot of stuff. Um, jock market. We've been working together for like two years because I believe in it. Right. And it's such a great concept. It's stock market DFS. You can buy, sell short, shares of athletes, all athletes, not just golfers, but that's the part that I like. And right now the IPO is open for the RBC heritage. So you can go bid right now on shares of golfers. And if those bids are alloc or if those um, bids are, are high at the end of the night, uh, 9 PM Eastern time, those shares are allocated to you. Then you enter live trading and it's really, really cool. So they've got these guaranteed payouts. So I just updated uh, the, the jock market tool on rickrungood.com, which is all free by the way. So you can go through and see all the logs for all the cash markets. So for example, you know, Roy McIlroy did not win the masters. He sold for $7 and eight cents a share in the IPO last week, paid out 20 bucks a share. Now what you could also do is you could go to the leaderboards and you could say last 10 golfers in this field, who's got the average highest average profit, Patrick Cantlay, uh, Sepp Straka has got the highest average ROI. Sepp Straka on average sells for $2 and seven cents a share pays out 647 over his last 10. Who's got the highest profit rate? A bunch of guys, six guys, seven guys who have returned profit in 70% of their markets in the last 10. You can adjust this. You can do whatever you want. The whole point being the best part about jock market for us is, you know, when we're betting guys, everybody bets the same 15 guys. Everybody plays the same guys on fantasy sites. You could, this is the only format in which every golfer is is live they just have to beat their expectation jj spawn can make you money by finishing 43rd he just has to finish higher than what you paid for him so for guys like us who do a lot of research this is the way to go um the promo code you're looking for is rick there's a link in the description get yourself a 50 dollars deposit bonus join joe and myself tonight for uh the jock market power hour we will walk you through the final 45 minutes of that we'll give away a little money in the process Eli wants to know what my assessment of Lucas Glover is. Saw your Twitter four and a half out of 10 and was wondering why. So um, I, I guess I just worry a lot about the putter. Obviously, I worry that the short game, oh, and I'll show my, show my screen. Sorry, Eli, that the short game is super 
erratic. I worry that he's lost strokes on approach in three out of four when that's kind of his strong suit. I, I just don't like, I get it. I think he's better than a lot of the guys in this field, just, just on pedigree. But I, I, I find it hard to get excited from his recent form. So I said four and a half out of 10. That's like a, a little bit below average. Do you prefer Patrick Cantlay and Tom Hoagie or Lowry and Norin? Um, without knowing the format, what your risk aversion is or anything else, probably Cantlay and Hoagie. Rick, thanks for all the great content. I need a final entry in my lineup, $7,100 and under. Can you take a deep dive on Charles Howe third? Yes. Let's do it. CH3. I'm, I'm, without looking, I'm going to guess his ceiling is pretty capped, but let's go look. Of course, he had his best finish at Valero last time we saw him. So this is really encouraging. 5.7 strokes off the tee, although that's the second best off the tee week uh, for CH3 of his career dating back to 2008. The other one was also in, in Texas. Maybe we need to... Maybe, maybe CH3 is a Texas specialist. Gaining on approach, that's really good. Around the green, that's fine. Putter a bit tough. Um, let's just look at one more thing real quick. Horribly inaccurate off the tee. Not very long. Long enough, though. I don't know. What I, I just don't get what I just don't see what there is to be super excited about. He had an outlier driving week. Otherwise, he's very on brand of piling up 25th to 33rd place finishes. I, I just if that's what you're looking for have at it. I really, I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't, this doesn't interest me all that much. Hey Rick, based on Scheffler's recent success with Ted Scott on the bag, should Rory consider a caddy change? He could use a spark. Um, can you hear Oliver? Can you hear Oliver barking in the background? Um, I don't know. There's so much to, there's so much that goes into caddy changes. Are we going to give Ted Scott the entirety of the credit for Scotty Scheffler? Maybe, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. There's more that goes into it than jet. Like having someone you trust on your back is huge. Having a calming presence on the back is huge. I, I, it's so hard for me to say a guy should change or not change their caddy. There's just a million, a million things. Steven says, Rick, you may need to explain to my boss why every week at 3 p.m. I stop answering calls and emails. Uh, yes. Well, I appreciate that. Just kidding. Love your work. Any thoughts on good chalk versus bad chalk this week? That's a good question. All right, Steven, let's look, take a peek at this. So in terms of good chalk, bad chalk, uh, Morikawa is probably good chalk. So he is uh, $900 less than Justin Thomas. He's going to be about 21% owned, maybe a little bit higher in the single entries. This is just a perfect spot for him. I'd be happy. And, and honestly, eating chalk at the top, um, I think I'd prefer to do. Bad chalk is probably Russell Henley. And you guys know I like Russell Henley a lot. I'm a big Russell Henley fan. But are you telling me Russell should be, he's going to win this event twice as often as, as Webb Simpson or Billy Horschel or Howard Varner the third or three times as much as Terrell Hatton? Very, very unlikely considering the fact that he just doesn't put together four rounds. Again, I would prefer Henley in kind of showdown situations, which all this trash talking probably means he wins this week, but that's that's what I think the good chalk and bad chalk is. Since the up and down percentage is a bit higher on average here, is the marginal gain better for the top tier players versus the average one. Since the up and down percentage is a bit higher on average here, is the marginal gain better for the top tier players versus the average ones? Okay, I think I understand this question. I I believe it makes the worst around the green players better. Uh, that is my opinion because there's so many tricky spots on the PGA Tour calendar around the greens that if you go to a place where all the it's very flat and all the up and downs are very straightforward, I think it helps those guys most. That's my opinion. Can you do a deep dive on Bryson Nimmer? There's not a lot to deep dive on. So he played a lot uh, last year on the, uh, I don't know what they call it. It's, it's the McKenzie tour, the Canadian tour. I think they call it the form tour for a few minutes. Um, and he played fine, but here's the data that I have on him, which is corn Ferry and PGA tour stuff. So he played in Puerto Rico. He made the cut. He played the Palmetto championship. He made the cut. Those are the last two times we saw him. The Puerto Rico open was just last month. The Palmetto was almost a year ago. So I don't know how excited we can be about all that. Um, I think he's fine. I think he's a good player. I 
I mean, but now this is, I mean, it's a 400 strength of field. It's not visit Knoxville open. It's not the Simmons bank open. No offense, but um, maybe he makes the cut. I don't know. I don't think there's that much to, to look into. Uh, wow. Uh, this Scott, this is very unnecessary. I wish I could refund this to you. Uh, it's a big super chat that says happy anniversary. Thanks for all that you do for us. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very, very sweet, very unnecessary, very sweet. You guys are obviously, um, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to get all mushy here on like my anniversary or whatever, but like it is, it is still pretty jarring to me that I get to do this for a living and I couldn't do this, uh, really without you guys. So it's, it's, it's seriously much appreciated. It's absolutely nuts that I get to do this and you guys tune in betting question. If a player has buried a hole in five of six lifetime rounds, do you bet on another birdie in round three or worry about regression to the mean? I think that they will play well, uh, that they will, they are more likely to do it again. So there's obviously, so when you're doing the single hole stuff, there's obviously a lot of, um, like wind and conditions and, and pin locations that go into this. But if I see somebody, so this is the, the prize picks tool. You use the code, Rick, it's, you're going to make a ton of money with it. Um, this is the prize picks tool. So like number, uh, what's the par- number two. Okay. So number two is the par five this week. So if I look through here and I see that, um, and actually let me open up the dates here. If I see that Shane Lowry has played this hole 14 times and he's made birdie or better 12 out of 14, like, it might just fit his eye, right? It might leave him in some good numbers, right? Uh, there, there, there's definitely that part of it. Cause when you look at the other side of it, there are guys like Brant Snedeker who've played this 18 times who have made par in 11 of them. So they're playing the same hole, probably in the same years that Shane Lowry is. And whether it's just set up the way that their shot shape or the way that fits their eye, or if they have to lay up or the shots around the green, just give them trouble. I believe it is a real thing. So I think guys that are playing a whole, a whole well are going to continue to play a whole well. And guys that don't play it well are, are going to continue to struggle. It's obviously a very volatile situation because, um, it's one hole. <laughs> the trend is longer shots, winning RBC heritage, but for one and done purposes, most people are picking are choosing these. So sorry, I, I butchered that for one and done purposes are most people choosing these or sticking to picking one of the top five, uh, one of the top 10 odds favorites. So they're sticking to the top. You can go a little bit further down the board, but it's not like, yeah, there have been long shots here, but it's basically either long shots or favorites, right? Webb Simpson won this at 20 to one. Um, even like, uh, even West Bryan, when he won was only 60. Uh, there's been a couple of like really short guys that have won it too. So it's either been long, like 150 to one or 20 to one. I buy the master's letdown thesis a little. We can't put statistics. I'm really struggling right now. Statistical stock into the real face. The top. Jeez. Sorry, guys. In the top guns. I'm not even sure. I think this is the question. Into the real face. The top guns are peaking for masters on purpose. Then say it doesn't matter the next week. Hmm. Well, I've butchered that question. Uh, I don't care if they played it last week or not. Sorry. I butchered that question. Rick, I have a trip planned, uh, to Mesquite. Have you played any golf out there? What courses would you recommend? So you've got to play, uh, what's it called? Wolf Creek, right? The one that used to be in the video games the, where it's just like crazy amounts of elevation. I, I, that's really the only course I know out there. I go out there for the long drive, but I don't, uh, I don't play. Who is the most unique but still sensical guy that you could pick in the one in a one and done this week? Adam Hadwin, Alex Noren, or Tom Hoagie would probably get you there. <laughs> uh, I'm getting some of the same questions twice, so I'm going to skip a couple. If you were playing 20 or 150 Mac. Max, what's one low owned guy you would be overweight on? Okay, good question. Let's look at the cheat sheet and see if we can find somebody together. So one low owned guy that I would be overweight on. Probably uh, Harmon, I don't mind, 8.9%. Don't mind that one single bit. I don't mind Streelman at 8.7. That's, uh, if I was feeling really freaky, I would go with Lahiri at 3.2. But I think Harmon's the I think Harmon's the right answer. 
Fading the 10K range, a good idea, and giving me enough leverage? Uh, it'll certainly give you leverage, or at least make you unique, but I I worry about that. I mean, I, I would describe this field as top-heavy. I talked about the chalk. So okay, so let's do the Tommy Fleetwood thing. I've I mentioned this. Um, I mentioned this before. Tommy Fleetwood is arguably arguably playing the best he has since early 2020 before the shutdown. I think I might sneeze here. I'm going to try to fight it off. Um, which we we haven't seen in a long time. So here's Tommy Fleetwood. Three out of four off the tee gainer. Three out of four on approach gainer. Great around the greens. Has been putting well. That's a good profile. A really good profile. Five, no, four top 25s in his last four strokes gained, uh, stroke play events. We have not seen this literally since right here, since right before the shutdown. Honda Classic finished third, T18 at the WGC Mexico, uh, missed the cut at the API, and then the tour shuts down. And we just never really got good Tommy again. We got like ball, we got like approach play Tommy, but he was horrible off the tee. This is definitely the best we've seen. It's definitely the best we've seen. What's going on, Rick? Could you do an updated model? Uh, okay, sure. I don't... Uh, well, let's see. Here's what I did. Or no, I've reset this. Okay. So, what would I do for a model today? Hmm. I don't exactly remember what I did before. But I would prefer to do... Last... Call it 16 rounds. Pretty short. I would prefer to do... Something with accuracy, 15 on accuracy, 10 on distance. I would prefer to do a lot on approach, like 25. I'll use, I'll use, I, I, I probably did weighted approach uh, before. I'll do just stroke scan approach. That leaves me with 50. I would put a little bit on um, 175 to 200. And then just to kind of hedge my bets a little bit, uh, I'd put like, A little bit on 150, 175, and a little bit on 200, just because I just because if you're at like 177 or 168, again, this is why buckets are an issue. I would also probably put some on 50 to 125 for some of these holes, and then I'd use my last four and I'd go back and I'd add them at to driving accuracy. So this is a very unique one. Let's see what we have here. I think JT was my number one golfer uh, in the previous one. Oh boy, yeah, Morikawa is number one. Justin Thomas, two, EVR, three, Connors, four, Henley, five, Smith, six, Gims, seven, not eight, Wise, uh, nine, Hoagie, 10. Interesting. That would be a super freaky model. How much Lashley is too much Lashley? You probably don't need to get much of Lashley, right? So... I have Nate Lashley coming in at uh, 6%. So if you have 12% of them, you've doubled the field. That's pretty good. And then thoughts on Joel Damon. Uh, pretty high on Joel Damon. Keeps it in play. He can be a pretty good approach player at times. And I think he's kind of calm, cool, collected. And I also think he's better than maybe like the bottom 50 guys in this field. He's like the solid PGA tour player that when this field, like this field is a 400 strength of field, but I consider it to be top heavy. So I, I think he's better than like way better than the bottom 50 guys in this field. Uh, this is a kind of an interesting question from Drew. Great content. Uh, it says slick Rick rank these for this week. Accuracy 175 to 200. Course history, recent history, strokes gained approach. Okay, this is actually a pretty good question. We should do this more often. Like, which key stats are more important? So I would rank them recent, strokes gained approach, course history, driving accuracy, 175 to 200 bucket. Uh, good course comps and course history, guys, this week. So if you just want to go straight over to the Holy Grail, and you want to plug in, you know, whatever course comps that you want. Um, you know, you could say die courses, or you could say, like, let's just do Pebble. Let's let's do let's do Harbor Town and Pebble. Which, by the way, if you hold control, um, you can select more than one. I don't know if I say, if I say that enough. So let's do last. Um, 
So last five years, I don't want to go back too far, right? Some of these old scrubby guys who are used to be good and they're not good anymore. So best in this field on uh, Pebble and Harbortown. Neiman and Stenson, but they each only have four rounds. Simpson is third, 20 rounds. Berger has 24 rounds. Cantlay, Streelman, McNeely, DJ, Fitzpatrick, and Shane Lowry. Those are the guys I would say are the best at, at the comp courses. But if you think there are other comp courses or better comp courses, you could certainly go take care of that. Is there uh no, I, I think I answered that one. I'm in a league that picks three players each week, no salary cap. What three players would you pick with no restrictions? Without knowing the score, you should just take the three best players in the field. You should just take the three, you should just take like Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Dustin Johnson. Now there's obviously strategy. If there's if whatever the scoring is or whatever you think you're you know how big the pool is, but with the information that I have, that's what I would go with. Tyler says Rom at the U.S. Open was the last one, the last highest price guy to win. That makes sense. Hey Rick, what's your strategy on playing a twenty max entry on DraftKings? How many guys should I include in my player pool? What would your max exposure be? I do it a little bit different, Luke. If you Google core cascading Rick Run Good, you will see a format or a style of um, that I use for twenty max entries. But it's very, very volatile. It, it takes a, a six player core and plays them all in sixteen out of twenty lineups, and then I swap in the other guys. So that might not work for you. Yes. Graham McDowell could be a sneaky play this week. Former winner and a T3 at Bay Hill. I agree. He is still. So this is kind of weird. You know, there are guys like, you know, Luke Donald, Matt Kuchar and Graham McDowell. And you're like, oh, well, maybe like it's those guys weeks. Um, maybe at least Graham McDowell, I think, has played well recently. He is still doing the things that set up well for Harbortown, finding fairways, keeping it in play. So I'm cool with that. Hey, Rick. Is it worth paying up for Morikawa if it leaves me with 6,600 or below player, or should I roll with Neiman and Harmon? Let me just give a peek, 6,600 and below. Would I mind playing Swafford? Mm, no. Would I mind playing Svensson? Absolutely not. Would I mind playing Redmond? No. Would I mind playing Hickok? No. Uh, I would go with Morikawa and one of those four guys. Do you know the optimal lineup from last year off the top of my head? No, but if I go to Twitter and I search Rick run, good optimal heritage, let's see what pops up. Uh, wow. Wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know the optimals pop up? So last year was Stuart sink, Emiliano Grillo, HV three, Mav McNeely, Matt Fitzpatrick, Corey Connors, $46,100. What a joke. 46 1. 2020, or well, that was 2019. 2020 was 49,900. Webb Simpson, Abraham answered Daniel Berger, Joaquin Neiman, Brooks, Kepka, Terrell Hatton. 2019, 47,000. CT Pan, Matt Kuchar, Patrick Cantlay, Scott Piercy, Shane Lowry, Kevin Streelman. The three most optimal lineups were 47,000, 45, 9, 46, 6. Uh, leave money on the table, peeps. Is it a strong field only because of the new rule where you have to play an event you haven't played before? Uh, maybe, but let's see. Who would that apply to? That wouldn't apply to Justin Thomas. It wouldn't apply to Smith. It wouldn't apply to DJ. It would not apply to Morikawa or Cantlay or Lowry or Connors. or it, No, this wouldn't apply to anybody. So the, the the most expensive guy who has not played here before is Mito. The most, the second most is Tom Hoagie. So no, I do not. I think it's just, I mean, Hilton Head, uh, people like to go to Hilton Head, right? And it's a well-run event. No, I, I do not believe, uh, Joseph, that has anything to do with it because all of these guys have played here before. Oliver says, sup, Rick. There was only one thing wrong with Sia's narrative lineup. It left over 5,000 on the table. What's the problem? But he says, can I substitute DJ for Sloan since Paulina is Canadian? I'll allow it. Hi, Rick. Aaron Wise is getting expensive, but how do you feel about a 100 to 1 each way bet this week with greens this small? Hopefully, it can negate his love for the three putt. Yeah, I'm just kind of like invested in Aaron Wise right now. Unfortunately, you know, I've, I bet him 
through the fall and through the Florida swing. And now, I mean, it's a hundred to one. So I don't like, I can bet him a lot more. And when he eventually wins, I'll, I'll still be up. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not super thrilled, but I'm, I'm there with you. Rick, can you explain handicapping boy? Not in the next 19 minutes, but maybe my YouTube channel will help uh, because there's about a billion different ways I could go with that question. Here's, okay. All right. Let's just do this real quick. I'm feeling a bit frisky. Unknown says, selling out for blood money. Ha ha. Don't act like the US government doesn't have the most blood on their hands. Without getting political, because I don't really care what your political beliefs are, and you should not really care what mine are. The problem with this statement is that the U.S. government doesn't run a golf organization in the United States and does not pay from the U.S. Treasury others to come over here and play, because that's what's happening in Saudi Arabia. So that's the big difference. So unknown, and I know you've been in the live chat before, and I appreciate you coming in. That comment is not as smart as you think it is because the money is not coming from the U S treasury for a golf organization. However, it is coming from the financial arm of the Saudi government. That's the difference. You can argue all you want about blood on everybody's hands. That's the difference. Haven't done any research this week. <laughs> You're in the right spot. What's the chalk to avoid this week? I I, I think it's Russell Henley. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Gaiman. Who is producer's pick? That's Armina. She'll slack me in a second. And uh, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm, get, I'm getting to all the nice notes now. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, uh, Armina says Fleetwood Mac, which I'm assuming is Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, that's what she's going with. Can we get a burger deep dive? Sure. Let's do a burger deep dive. Because Burger's kind of interesting around here, isn't he? Isn't Burger the one flying under the radar a bit? Right? Misses the or didn't miss the cut the masters. Finished 50th, excuse me. Doesn't get out of his group. Man, this is a little bit concerning. When's the last time Tommy Fleetwood lost strokes on approach in three straight? Ever? Um fall of 2019. He did it. He also did it spring of 2019. That's basically it. However, I wonder if we could argue this. Was he on the right side or wrong side of the draw at the players? Because he lost two and a half strokes at the players on approach. I don't remember what side the draw he was on. He still finished T13. The match play date is a little bit wonky. The master stuff, that's a little bit concerning. It's a little bit concerning when Daniel Berger, who is known for being uh, a gainer across the board, lost across the board. Could we argue that that's an outlier? I mean, has he ever lost across the board before? And he's been so good at this event. Berger might be like the, what's his ownership? I'm sorry, guys. I got to look at this. What's his 15%? I bet you comes in lower than that. Berger might be the slate breaker. I'm not even kidding. Berger might be the slate breaker. Wow. I, I kind of like that. I kind of like it, Ben. Would you take Nick Taylor, 6,600 or Michael Thompson? Uh, I think I prefer Thompson. Thoughts on Lahiri. Okay, so so here's the Lahiri story, right? And you have to kind of decide what you believe or or what you want to believe, whatever. So Lahiri was not very good. He lost eight strokes on approach at the Honda Classic. He made some adjustments. Remember, he um, changed the swing weight on his irons with uh, lead tape. And immediately goes out and gains a ton of strokes on the ball in the ball striking categories at the Players Championship, finishes runner up, and does the same thing at the Valero and finishes T13. I like to think that when you have some uh, uh, an event that caused the um, that caused a change in stats, that that is more likely to continue than to think that we have an outlier here. So. Now we have a guy who might have figured out the ball striking categories, who has two top 15s in a row, and maybe we're early. And I'd rather be early on Lahiri than late. Because if Lahiri finishes T8 this week, and then T15 the next time he plays, it, the jig is up, right? The word is out on honor bond. So I, I would actually just prefer to be early than late. Guys, I'll be late on Ricky Fowler, right? I'll be late on guys. I'm happy to be late on guys. I will be early on... Um, Lahiri. 
I've answered a lot of these questions. So I'm going to skip through some of these. Hey, Rick, obviously Scotty is head, uh, is ahead above everyone else in the race for player of the year. But if Cam were to win one of the other majors, wouldn't he be right there with him? So that would be what three wins for Cam, including a major in the players for sure. Yeah, that would be like the only, yeah. Cam's like the only other guy who can probably take this away from him without someone winning two majors. That, or honestly, if Cam, okay, this would be kind of cool. Who would be your player of the year? Uh, if Cam won the FedEx Cup, so you'd have Cam with what a win at uh, Tournament of Champions. I was going to say Sony, but Hideki won that, right? Tournament of Champions, players, and the FedEx Cup. And Scotty would have match play. Scotty would have API. Scotty would have Phoenix, and Scotty would have the Masters. Scotty would still be the Player of the Year. But what if what if what if uh, Cam won Heritage? And the FedEx Cup. Now it's four wins. Players in the FedEx Cup versus API Phoenix match play mess. It's probably still Scotty. Dang, that was hard. But yeah, it, it, you know, he definitely is the closest, but I still think Scotty, someone's got to do something pretty crazy. McNeely or Varner this week? McNeely. Rick, huge fan. Thank you. Do you think that viewing accuracy from fairway at a certain yardage, say approaches from 200 to 175 is to st statistically the best in that category would be helpful in finding a winner. Do I think it is helpful? Yes. Do I think it's super helpful? No. All, I, all I'm telling you is that from 175 to 200, historically twice as many shots have come from that range as the tour average. So a lot of guys are going to be hitting from there. And um, this course, the way it sets up, it's the only time I would really use 175 to 200. I'm not, making it like the number one thing in my model. But like you saw me make a model, it was it was up there. Can you give a top 10 best putters on these greens in previous years? So yeah, you could do this if you go to the Holy Grail. But what we got to remember is, um, so 2020, they played it in like June, right? So I don't think they had the overseed. So what I'll actually do is I'll just click every year but 2020. And you again, you can go do whatever you want here. I'm going to say Harbor Town, all years but 2020, strokes gain putting, Mad McNeely number one. He's only played four rounds. Anybody with a sample size, Michael Thompson, 24 rounds, gaining a stroke per round. And the last three times he's played, he's gone 42nd, 42nd, 10th. Joel Damon up there, only four rounds. Brian Harmon. See, I'm telling you, everything I've done comes back to Brian Harmon. How freaking scary is that? Everything comes back to Brian Harmon. Jo uh, Denny McCarthy, Bo Hostler, JJ Spawn, just to name a few. Everything comes back to, to Brian Harmon. Crazy. <laughs> I've been away for a while. Have uh, Did you go over Lonto? No, no Lonto's been away for a while on this on this. Uh, on this show as well. Let's let's see what let's see what Lonto was let's see what Lonto's up to, man. I honestly haven't even thought about him in a long time. Um, and probably rightfully so. The good news is the approach play's been better. The other good news is one of his better finishes was at Pebble Beach, T16. It's not great. It's not bad though. I'm like a five out of 10. It's not the worst I've ever seen. I'm not super stoked about it though. Ooh, let's talk breakout candidates because I've not shown the trends tool yet. I got to start showing this tool more. So um, let's just look at the hottest golfers over the last 20 rounds and let's look at ones that are doing it in a, in a reasonable way. And this question is actually about the 7K range. So Tom Hoagie, last 20 rounds compared to his 100 round baseline is a, a, a stroke and a half per round better. That's got to include his win though, right? 20 rounds, five starts ago. Did he win Pebble Beach five starts ago? I don't know. If I go to 16 rounds, does he drop off? Drops a little bit, but not much. Wow, he's been playing probably a lot better than I than I thought. And he's doing it in a really good way. A lot of it, at least half of it coming in the ball striking categories. Uh, Cam Young in there as well. But remember, his 100, his 100 round baseline is probably smaller than 100 rounds because of... Um, uh, not playing many, many, he's a rookie, not playing many measured rounds on the, on the PGA tour. Lowry's been awesome, but that the question was about $7,000 range. Sepp Straka's up there for sure. 
JJ Spawn, pretty good as well. Here's the guys that uh, in the breakout candidates column. I don't know off the top of my head who's all in the 7K range. Is Doug Gim in the 7K range? Cameron Tringali is pretty cheap this week. I don't know what his actual salary is, but he's kind of a breakout candidate. Um, breakout candidates is a way to look at um, who's hitting the ball well from T to green and uh, below their own baseline in putting. <laughs> yeah, Chunk the Deuce knows. Without Adam Scott in the field this week, who's the wifey going to play? Okay, so she actually tried to pitch this theory to me because she picks Adam Scott every week. But she always says, like, Scotty too hottie, Mr. Scott, blah, blah, blah. She pitched this theory to me that she meant Scotty Scheffler and that she was the reason that he's won four times. Like, she she pitched that the other night. And I was like, good luck. I'm not sure that's going to hold up. Just reading, just reading. I've answered some of these. Just reading, just reading. What's the betting card look like? Okay. So this is a unique betting card for me this week, Matthew. Um, I would, in most weeks, prefer to bet like four, maybe five guys. Maybe. Uh, it does not usually get more than like six. And the way that I do it is a combination of how much I'm willing to risk on a weekly basis and how much I want to win. So what happens is if I don't bet guys who are short, um, I can I I have a lot of money to bet to allocate to longer shots. So I will warn you. This is my uh this ties my biggest card of the year. It's 10 golfers. None of them are shorter than 50 to 1. The last time I did this was the American Express, where I believe no one was shorter than 40 to 1. Most of them were 100 to 1 or longer. Hudson Swafford was in there. We hit it. I'm trying the same thing. So again, this is a very unique week for me. The shortest golfers that I have, there's only two in the fifties. Uh, I'm sorry, three in the fifties, McNeely, Norin, and Hadwin 55, 53, 53. So when I start my card in the fifties, I have a lot of flexibility above that. And then I, I went, I went straight to the triple digits here. Um, Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I do have Siwoo Kim as well. So four guys in the fifties, then straight to the triple digits because I can, I got Doc at 275, Nick Taylor at 200, Svensson at 175, Hostler at 160, uh, Tagala at 115, Lahiri at 125. So because I did not start my card until the 50s, I had a lot of money to play with. So that is unusual for me, but it's basically 10 long shots. Um, 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 um. I've answered a lot of these. Of those who have no history on this course, who is your favorite? Okay. Actually, an interesting question. Uh, so I'm actually just going to use the cheat sheet here to kind of roll through who doesn't have history. And it might be, I mean, a lot of guys have history. So I think I mentioned Mito was one of the few guys who doesn't. Cam Young doesn't. Uh, Sahith doesn't. Tringale. Does Tringale? He hasn't played it in at least the last five years. No, he's played it before. Davis Riley doesn't. So we're really looking at the young guys. So I would say, honestly, it might be Nate Lashley, as sick as that is. Lashley or Mito? Has Hoagie played here before? Oh, that's I'm sorry. I was, I was scrolling at the wrong one. Um, yeah. I mean, there's only a handful of guys that, that haven't played here before that I would really consider. Wow. Chris says, Hey Rick, I have Lahiri this week, which is scary to even say much less use him in 75% of my lineups. Wow. Played amazing at the players championship die course. You're the best in the biz thoughts. I'm I, I bet Lahiri. I'm I'm in, I'm in, I'm going to be early. Not sure if this has been said, but the whole Phil Mickelson thing seems overblown. Miss watching him play. I'd argue it's not that overblown, right? Um, again, I don't. we don't need to get into this, but he literally paid lawyers to write up the operating agreement for a rival league. If I worked in corporate America and I paid lawyers to write up an operating agreement to start a competing business, my CEO would have fired me. My boss would have fired me. 
Now, Jay Monahan can't fire Phil, uh, but they can, I, I'm assuming he's a suspended, right? But like, that's not that crazy when you think about it. In any walk of life, if you did that, you would be punished for it. And that is what Phil's being punished with right now. I'm taking Cantlay and Connors against the rest of the 10K range. Is that mad? Just think the guys who finished T10 in the Masters will be mentally exhausted. Um, no, listen, Cantlay, uh, Cantlay squ uh, falls squarely into the X factor, uh, category, the, the slate breaker category, because he's been, I mean, last eight round, last eight starts, he's been awesome. Last six, he's been good. Last four, he's been bad. Like, so it depends on how you want to look at it. And of course the, the history is great. Uh, pizza or Buffalo chicken wrap today. I think it's going to be a Buffalo chicken sandwich. My friend, that's what we're going with today. Um, Fitzpatrick deep dive. I don't even need to show you this, the Fitzpatrick deep dive to just tell you that it's a bunch of top twenties at a variety of different courses. He has described this as his favorite course. That's the deep dive. Thoughts on, okay, so this is kind of interesting. Thoughts on considering DJ because he couldn't hit his driver at Augusta, but now playing a course, he may not even need it. It's not bad, Kevin. He he was very candid about the lack of confidence in his driver, and he hit a lot of three woods. Doesn't need the driver. It's not bad. It's not bad, Kevin. I'm not sure I, I have anything to back it up with, but um, it's not bad. I'm surprised guys like DJ are playing this week. Is this strong field likely due to a new? Oh, I've answered this before, but no. Uh, well, DJ's an RBC guy, right? So there's there are there are two things at play here. It's a good tournament, and it is uh, a sponsor's obligation for a lot of them. The least owned in the 10K range as of right now, I have Cam Smith at 10 and a half percent, and I have Patrick Cantlay at 11 percent. So those two. Who's your favorite Kevin this week? Kisner, not or Streelman? Uh, Streelman, and that comes from a Kevin. So. You could make an all Kevin lineup, but you'd have to also do like, um, hmm, I don't know. Will, uh, I, like, I, I like Russell Henley at this course. I don't like that he's going to be 22% owned with the guys around him. Like, this is a game theory fade of Russell Henley for me. I wish I knew the answer to this. Are the guys from the Masters a bit fried? And uh, the this question says top 15. So here's the problem when looking at this stuff. Why are we only looking at guys that are fried from the Masters? These guys expend a lot of energy being in contention. They expend a lot of energy playing the weeks before. What I would like to see is a comprehensive study of guys that were in contention, legit in contention the week before, and their finishes the next week at every event, not just major championships. Um, and I'd also not like to use arbitrary spots like top 15, right? I'd like to say if you were in three, within three shots of the lead, because why are we stopping at top 15? Because those guys finished two hours later than the guy who finished 18. Like it's so hard. There should be a concert, a comprehensive study on this. You have to pick, Oh God, one for the rest of your life. Rom's temper or Reed's reputation. It's Rom's temper, right? I mean, you could always, with a good PR team, just ask John Rahm, you could have this framed as passion. You could have it framed as spiciness. Uh, you could have it framed as caring too much. Hard to spin Reed's reputation. It's hard. So 1 billion percent, the answer is Rahm's temper. How heavy would you weight course history here? I would weigh it on a scale of 1 to 10 at a 8 compared to other courses. I think I'm towards the end. It's 12.59 by my clock. And lunch is on the horizon. Uh, so I think I'm going to pull the plug on it there. So here's what we got going on. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with me on the rants. Listen, we can, um, we can agree to disagree on the Phil Mickelson stuff, the Saudi Arabia stuff. It, it's all good. Listen, it's just think whatever you want. I'll think whatever I want. It's all good. Appreciate you. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, there is a jock market power hour tonight, 8 15 PM Eastern time. Uh, Joe, I and myself are going to go through all of that for stock market DFS. I think I'm going to be on CBS sports HQ tonight. Um, I think we're doing DFS stuff. So if you tune in, I think it's 7 PM Eastern 
check that out. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a fun week. It's a cool little course. It's fun. Maybe the winds will kick up. There'll be a little bit of carnage. Uh, big thanks to producer Mina. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. And she's, uh, you know, she's great. I think that'll do it. Pull the plug. Let's go.